This is the February 12th reading of the One Year Bible Plan, and you are listening to the Reading Through the Bible Together podcast. My name is Blake, and we are going to start, as we always do in the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 34, verse 1, through Exodus chapter 35, verse 9 today. As always, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, and uh, if you'll remember where we were yesterday, uh, the people, the Israelite people in the book of Exodus, had uh, made a golden calf for themselves. This angered the Lord as it should. They have uh, turned their back against the Lord who had freed them from slavery, and uh, God cannot go with them because they are sinful in his very nature. His very presence would destroy them, and so Moses goes up to try to uh, plead for the people, and God has just shared uh, why his his glory is so powerful and says, you can't even see my face. And that's kind of the cliffhanger we were left at. So is God going to destroy the Israelites and just build a great nation out of Moses, uh, or is Moses is talking to him going to get him to uh, somehow uh, walk with the people, even though they are sinful? We'll see here. Exodus chapter 34, verse 1. Then the Lord told Moses, chisel out two stones stone tablets like the first ones. I will write write on them the same words that were on the tablets you smashed. And as a reminder, he smashed those tablets because he came down and he was so mad at the people worshiping that he threw the tablets down. He broke up their golden calf and he made them drink water uh, that had the, the, the ashes of the calf in it, which is kind of humorous. Like he just went total rage monster on them. Verse 2. Be ready in the morning to climb up Mount Sinai and present yourself to me on top of the mountain. No one else may come with you. In fact, no one is to appear anywhere on the mountain. Don't even let the flocks or herds graze near the mountain. So Moses chiseled out two tablets of stone like the first ones. Early in the morning he climbed Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him, and he carried the two stone tablets in his hands. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him and he called out his own name, Yahweh. The Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out, Yahweh the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. But I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations. Moses immediately threw himself to the ground and worshipped, and he said, O Lord, if it is true that I have found favor with you, then please travel with us. Yes, this is a stubborn and rebellious people, but please forgive our iniquity and our sins. Claim us as your own special possession. The Lord replied, Listen, I am making a covenant with you in the presence of all your people. I will perform miracles that have never been performed anywhere in all the earth or in any nation, and all the people around you will see the power of the Lord, the awesome power I will display for you. But listen carefully to everything I command you today. Then I will go ahead of you and drive out the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Prezerites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Be very careful never to make a treaty with the people who live in the land where you are going. If you do, you will follow their evil ways and be trapped. Instead, you must break down their pagan altars, smash their sacred pillars, and cut down their Asherah poles. You must worship no other gods, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a god who is jealous about his relationship with you. You must not make a treaty of any kind with the people living in the land. They lust after their gods, offering sacrifices to them. They will invite you to join them in their sacrificial meals, and you will go with them. Then you will accept their daughters who sacrifice to other gods as wives for your sons. 
and they will seduce your sons to commit adultery against me by worshiping other gods. You must not make any gods of molten metal for yourselves. You must celebrate the festival of unleavened bread, for seven days the bread you eat must be made without yeast, just as I commanded you. Celebrate this festival annually at the appointed time in early spring in the month of Abib, for that is the anniversary of your departure from Egypt. The firstborn of every animal belongs to me, including the firstborn males from your herds of cattle and your flocks of sheep and goats. A firstborn donkey may be brought back to the Lord by presenting a lamb or a young goat in its place. But if you do not buy it back, you must break its neck. However, you must buy back every firstborn son. No one may appear before me without an offering. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but on the seventh day you must stop working, even during the seasons of plowing and harvest. You must celebrate the festival of harvest with the first crop of the wheat harvest and celebrate the festival of the final harvest at the end of the harvest season. Three times each year every man in Israel must appear before the Sovereign, the Lord, the God of Israel. I will drive out the other nations ahead of you and expand your territory so no one will covet and conquer your land while you appear before the Lord your God three times each year. You must not offer the blood of my sacrificial offerings together with any baked goods containing yeast, and none of the meat of the Passover sacrifice may be kept over until the next morning. As your harvest As you harvest your crops, bring the very best of the first harvest to the house of the Lord your God. You must not cook a young goat in its mother's milk. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write down all these instructions, for they represent the terms of the covenant I am making with you in Israel. Moses remained there on the mountain with the Lord forty days and forty nights. and all that time he ate no bread and drank no water. And the Lord wrote the terms of the covenant, the Ten Commandments, on the stone tablets. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai, Carrying the two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant, he wasn't aware that his face had become radiant because he had spoken to the Lord. So when Aaron and the people of Israel saw the radiance of Moses' face, they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called out to them and asked Aaron and all the people of the community to come over, and he talked with them. Then all the people of Israel approached him, and Moses gave them all the instructions the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. And when Moses finished speaking with them, he covered his face with a veil, but... Whenever he went into the tent of meeting to speak with the Lord, he would remove the veil until he came out again. Then he would give the people whatever instructions the Lord had given him. And the people of Israel would see the radiant glow on his face. So he would put the veil over his face until he returned to speak to the Lord. Then Moses called, this is chapter 35, verse 1, by the way. Then Moses called together the whole community of Israel and told them, These are the instructions the Lord has commanded you to follow. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day must be a Sabbath day of complete rest, a holy day dedicated to the Lord. Anyone who works on that day must be put to death. You must not even light a fire in any of your homes on the Sabbath. Then Moses said to the whole community of Israel, This is what the Lord has commanded. Take a sacred offering for the Lord. Let those with generous hearts present the following gifts to the Lord. Gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen, and goat hair for cloth tanned ram skins and fine goatskin leather, Arcadia wood, olive oil for the lamps, spices for the anointing oil, and the fragrant incense, onyx stones and other gemstones to be set in the ephod and the priest chest piece. So we see here in um, this amazing story, back up chapter uh, 34, verse 8. Moses immediately threw himself to the ground and worshipped, and he said, O Lord, if it is true that I have found favor with you, then please travel with us. So what Moses is doing, he's saying, I have favor with you. And what I want to do with that favor is have you use it for us, corporate us. And then verse 10, we see God say, look, I'm making a covenant with you, with you, with you, Moses, in the presence of all your people. 
collectively. So for one, God did for all. For one, God did for all. Now, uh, so why why did God go with the Israelites? Why didn't he destroy them for the sake of Moses? Moses had favor with God. Now, um, this text should point us to the greater Moses. Um, Moses couldn't actually take care of the sin uh, of the people. That's why he had to wear a veil. He came down from the mountain, his face was glowing, and when he was with the people, he had to wear a veil because the glory was too much for them, their sin. Even, even the reflection of God uh, was too much for the people. Uh, so Moses didn't, didn't um, actually take care of the entire situation. God's presence was there, but it had to be there with boundaries. Jesus Christ of Nazareth comes, and what does he do? He has favor with God. Uh, what does God say? This is my son with whom I am well pleased. He literally says that at Jesus' baptism. Uh, Jesus says, my, your will, not my will. He serves God even when we don't serve God. Uh, but he takes it a step further than Moses. He dies for the sins of the world. He takes care of our sin so that he can plead with God and say, let these people be seen as me. Jesus, uh, the Trinity, I could get into it here. Jesus and, and God the Father are separate, yet they are one, as well as the Holy Spirit, separate but not one. But just kind of follow along with me here. This is where Moses is, is kind of uh, pointing us towards Jesus. Jesus then pleads on our behalf, and God gives us favor based upon what we do? No. If you are a Christian, you believe God gives you favor based upon what Jesus Christ has done. But when Jesus uh, is crucified, it's interesting. In the Gospels, it says, the veil is torn. So Moses could only... Uh, wear uh, the veil when he's with people and, and he didn't wear the veil. The only time he didn't wear the veil was when he was with God. He could see God face to face. Not even face to face, but he, he could be in the presence of God without a veil on. Everybody else, he had to have a veil to protect them from God's glory. Well, when Jesus dies, the veil is torn. Why? Because we've been made holy in Christ Jesus. We can now be in the presence of God. And uh, one day we will fully be in the presence of God. So we're still, we're still as if you're a Christian living with breath in your lungs, you are still a sinner. So you can't fully be in the presence of God. That's why we call it the already but not yet. We're already in the kingdom of God and yet not yet. It's not fully here because there's still sin. And those who believe in the gospel, those who believe Jesus Christ did that for him, those who believe Jesus is the Messiah, the one to trust in, uh, will one day experience a complete and total glorification in which when Jesus returns, he makes all things right, including you and I. And there is no sin in us or in the world around us. And we will walk with God just as they did in the garden. Yeah. You see how beautiful the book of Exodus is? It points to all of this. And then one other thing I wanted to point out about this is it talks about God being jealous. And we tend to think of jealousy always as a bad characteristic, but it's not always bad. God is right to be jealous over relationship with us. And that's actually a really good thing. Uh, it's kind of like this. Uh, I am jealous for the relationship with my wife. In other words, if I see my wife with another man, um, I should be jealous. I should not be okay with that because she is mine. I love her. And likewise, the same way for her. She, I hope she would be jealous if she saw me with another girl. Uh, that was not my wife. Uh, and God is jealous for you. You cannot serve more than one kingdom. You cannot serve more than one God. You can only have one master. So when your master who loves you and wants to lead you into life sees you with a different master, money, uh, sex, success, whatever it is for you, he is jealous of that. And that is very good. Uh, and so jealous, in fact, that he sends his son Christ to come and pay the price for you and your sin so that he can have a relationship with you and sanctify you and lead you into the ways that are right. Beautiful, beautiful text in Exodus. 
Moving on to the New Testament, Matthew chapter 27, verses 15 through 31. Matthew 27, verse 15. Now, it was the governor's custom each year during the Passover celebration to release one prisoner to the crowd, anyone they wanted. This year, there was a notorious prisoner named Barabbas. As the crowds gathered before Pilate's house that morning, he asked them, which one do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Messiah? He knew very well that the religious leaders had arrested Jesus out of envy. Just then, as Pilate was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him this message. Leave that innocent man alone. I suffered through a terrible nightmare about him last night. Meanwhile, the leading priests and elders persuaded the crowd to ask Barabbas to be released and for Jesus to be put to death. So the governor asked again, which of these two do you want me to release to you? And the crowd shouted back, Barabbas. Pilate responded, then what should I do with Jesus, who is called the Messiah? They shouted back, crucify him. Why, Pilate demanded, what crime has he committed? But the mob roared even louder, crucify him. Pilate saw that he wasn't getting anywhere and that a riot was developing. So he sent for a bowl of water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. The responsibility is yours. And all the people yelled back, We will take the responsibility for his death, we and our children. So Pilate released Barabbas to them. He ordered Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip and then turned him over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. Some of the governor's soldiers took Jesus into their headquarters and called out the entire regiment. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. They wove thorn branches into a crown and put it on his head. And they placed a reed stick in his right hand as a scepter. Then they knelt before him in mockery and taunted, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spit on him, grabbed the stick, and struck him on the head with it. When they were finally tired of mocking him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him again. Then they led him away to be crucified. That concludes the New Testament reading for today. Moving into the Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. Proverbs 9, verse 1. Wisdom has built her house. She has carved its seven columns. She has prepared a great banquet, mixed the wines, and set the table. She has sent her servants to invite everyone to come. She calls out from the heights overlooking the city. Come in with me, she urges the simple. To those who like good judgment, she says, Come, eat my food, and drink the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways behind and begin to live. Learn to use good judgment. And finally, uh, we will be reading through Psalm 33, verses 12 through 22 in a posture of prayer. This is the 33rd Psalm, verses 12 through 22, beginning here in verse 12. What joy for the nation whose God is the Lord, whose people he has chosen as his inheritance. Oh, yes, Lord, thank you that you have chosen me. Thank you, Lord, that I get to be counted among your people. Verse 13. The Lord looks down from heaven and sees the whole human race. From his throne he observes all who live on earth. He made their hearts, so he understands everything they do. The best equipped army cannot save a king, nor is great strength enough to save a warrior. Don't count on your war horse to give you victory. For all its strength it cannot save you. Lord, the only thing that can save us is you. There's nothing we can do on our own to be counted right in front of you. Uh, our pathways are uncertain and lead to death. We need you to be our Savior. Verse 18. But the Lord watches over those who fear him, those who rely on his unfailing love. He rescues them from death and keeps them alive in times of famine. Lord, thank you that through trust in you and your unfailing love through Jesus Christ, I can experience the good news that my past sins have been forgiven. 
that presently I have a purpose and you are working out sin in my life even now so that I might live fulfilled and that I have a future hope that one day you will return and set all things to right. And Lord, that includes me and the world around me. Verse 20, we put our hope in the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him, our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. Let your unfailing love surround us, Lord, for our hope is in you alone. And Lord, as we close, I just want to pray through verses 20, 21, and 22 as a prayer for myself and my listeners. I put my hope in you, Lord. You are my help and my shield. My heart rejoices in you. I trust in your holy name. Lord, please let your unfilling love surround me and those listening to this podcast. For our hope is in you alone. Amen. Thank you for joining me for today's reading. I hope it was as rich to you as it was to me. And hope to see you back here tomorrow as we continue our journey reading through the Bible together.